I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Welcome into the First Cut Podcast live from the WM Phoenix Open. Welcome into all of our viewers on YouTube, our Golf on CBS channel, on CBS Sports HQ, and for our audio-only family. Fear not, I am joined by Kyle Porter and Rick Gaiman, running co-pilot here, Joe Musso, longtime listener, first-time caller. Fellas, fun day here out at the WM. It was a false start, hour and 45-minute uh, frost delay early in the AM, but they got out of here, they started fighting that win, and in the end, we're looking at Nick Taylor at the top of this leaderboard, uh, posting a number, comes home in 30, guys. Six birdies on the back. Kyle Porter, a bit of a who's man situation. Take us through it. How did it all come together? Well, first of all, the what was the uh, the San Francisco thing? Coldest winter I ever spent was a summer <laughs> was in a, San Francisco. Yeah. Coldest winter I ever spent was a winter in Phoenix. In, in Scottsdale, yeah. It was unbelievable. The weather this morning was, it was like the British Open. Mm-hmm. It was unreal. We got Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin at the top. I mean, Rick, you can probably speak to this better than I can. I, <clears throat> it's it's round one. It, great scores. I mean, they gained what six strokes, five and a half strokes, seven strokes on the field. Uh, don't know what the yeah, probably probably six, right? They would end up gaining six and a half strokes. Six and a half. Six okay. And the thing with the thing for me with Nick Taylor, who's leading, is I looked at his last twelve tournaments, Rick, and he's only been positive ball striking in four of those, yeah. and he gained what. Three and a half today, mm-hmm. or three, I guess, today. So it's not sustainable, right? No offense to our Nick Taylors of the world. Uh, like, there, there's just a lot of Nick Taylors, and there's going to be a lot of rounds like this that are going to be great, but they're very, very difficult to, to follow up on, right? We see this week in and week out. Now, he's having, he's having a great season, right? He's got four top 20s yeah. already this sure. year. This is kind of Nick Taylor's season in general. Mm-hmm. We've seen him have good success at Pebble Beach in the past, and this, this kind of early January, February start, get out of the gates well and see if you can hold on as kind of the big boys start playing into the, the further part of the meat of the schedule. But, but you're right. You look at 
the top of the leaderboard. Uh, we haven't said this in a while. Like, what's the real lead, Kyle? That's uh, my, <laughs> we haven't whipped that one up in a while. My favorite stat. <laughs> what's the actual lead? It's not five. No, it's not five. Sorry to Canada. It's four. Is yeah, it, who's at four? Xander. Yeah, Xander's at Xander's at four. The other stat, Joe, I have on on Nick Taylor. Mm-hmm. So he shoot. We were talking about this. He shoots back nine thirty. Uh, super impressive. Mm-hmm. But he hit four putts of eleven feet or more. And he even admittedly posted on said he was pouring it in from that ten to fifteen foot range. And there you see uh, throws a birdie at it at sixteen, which is always difficult. Thirty in this win, sustainable or not, is something to be celebrated here, Rick. Yeah, and think about this, right? This is the first full field event of most of these uh, elevated event of most of these guys' career. Nick Taylor is trying to make a ton of money this week, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even, even like I don't expect Nick Taylor to win point. this golf tournament, but a T six, yeah. A T7, keep yourself in the mix throughout. There is a ton of money on the line. The FedEx Cup points are not um, they're not substantially higher like the, like these like this purse has been, but this is a huge event for him, and it's the first time we've seen something like this. Well, and it, it, it's it's almost a way to keep yourself buoyed in the in the OWGR, yes. right? Because you're not having to play your, your way into a major, and yet your OWGR points that you could get from a T6, from a T10, are almost major-like, yeah. which is meaningful for somebody like a Nick Taylor. 223 OWGR Nick Taylor. I asked you how to get here. We had to look at what <laughs> his qualifying statistic was that got him into this stacked field, and yeah. here he is at the head of it. Yeah, him and him and, uh, him and Hadwin, look, they, they played great, and, and you can't, you don't want to take away from what they did in round one, mm-hmm. but it's it's horses behind them. That's right? it. I it's, think a lot of a lot of what you're saying right now is especially against a field like this. How real is that number? Yeah, and and I think when you've got Xander back there, when you've got Max Homa, who we're going to talk right. about back there, when mm-hmm. you've got John Brom, uh, you know, kind of keeping a round together. It's you know, I don't think Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin going to bed tonight. Super confident about <laughs> about winning a, uh, a a trophy. On Nobody's Sunday. looking at the direct deposit just yet. No, we didn't no. even get through a full eighteen holes right. here. There is some golf to be played in the AM early to finish up those first eighteen for the late wave. Late wave, we talked about it. The wind was expected to carry throughout the whole day, Rick. But here we are, sort of a strokes gain difference of almost a full stroke right. from that early window to the late window. Did anybody really, I don't know, play themselves out of it here on Thursday? No, certainly not. And and the guys in the afternoon wave. I, Absolutely got the better end of yeah. it, right? It was about a stroke and a, and a quarter when when all was said and done. And obviously, we still have some some holes to play. And and what I think is interesting is those guys who played this afternoon. They they were. Uh, expected and of course going to come back and have an early tea time on Friday. So it, it is not completely abnormal for them to get up early, go out and finish their round one. And then we've seen this before, guys. You know, it, you get hot. Someone like Keegan Bradley, who, who we might end up talking about, like he's he's two shots into a par five on mm-hmm. thirteen. He's he's in the stretch of golf course that uh, can really open up for you. You can really make a bunch of birdies. You can put a bunch of circles on the card. And then if you get hot, you can just continue right into round two and keep that momentum going. So there, there's a lot that's going to happen, you know, by noon on, on Friday. I think, yeah. KP? Well, I was going to say, I think the guys that you look at that early on, I I, I don't know that they played themselves out of it, but Morikawa and Rory didn't play very well. Yeah. Hideki was three over. He shot 74. And so, again, in an, in a in a normal Phoenix week, in a Honda Classic week, you're, you're fine. In a week like this, where now all of a sudden you're, you're 
four down to Rom, five down to Homa, six down to Xander with 54 holes left, it's a, it's a little bit more problematic. That hill gets increasingly steeper. KP, you mentioned it. Big names posting big numbers in some cases and other guys getting low and get themselves in the mix early on. We're going to cover it all here on the First Cut Podcast presented by the new Sim 2 driver. This is Forgiveness and this is the First Cut Pod. We'll be back in a quick moment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the First Cut podcast presented by the all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2 driver. This is Forgiveness. For those of you who are audio only, you are missing out right now because before we get back to these names, guys, the setting is a character here as well. We got a we got a sun that's peeking behind the horizon right now, hanging in the valley. There's no better place to be in the golf world right now because of the names in this field as well. And we had some guys out there, major horses, finding their stride on Thursday KP. Xander Shoffley posting a number, doing what he does keeping it between the mustard and the mayo, playing really good golf today, and throwing birdies when he saw his opportunities. Yeah, he, he did play very well. He's uh, he's four under right now, and I think I think what's interesting, so you, you see his, if you're watching on YouTube, you see his card here. Five birdies, he bogeyed 16. Uh, he, he had a three, he was asked after his round, Rick, uh, he had a three putt, and he said, um, uh, he was asked if, if people on 16 were booing him. And he said, yeah, they were. I was also booing myself in my own head, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I, I think what's really interesting, Patrick McDonald, who's one of our writers at CBSSports.com uh, covering golf, he pointed this out. Since the Masters, I think Xander missed the, ma- missed the cut at the Masters last year. Since then, he's finished 15 events. So he withdrew from Kapalua. He's finished 15 events. Three of those were wins. 13 of those were top 15s. And we're, we were just sitting here before we came on air talking about, okay, if Rory and Rom are the two best guys in the world, who's third, right? It's It might be Xander. We're going to have a Homa conversation here in a minute. I, I'm really – I love – we. I could talk all night about stuff like that. But is, is Xander a guy that you kind of look at if Rory and Rom are out of it, which Rom – Neither of them are. Rom played well, but is he is he like going to be the guy this week? And, and before you, I, I sort of rebuffed that idea of is Xander that number three guy because I, I know there's some numbers to support it here. Where he wins, what would a win here, Rick, do to that perception for people who say I need more trophies? Well, are that, you are you anti numbers? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not anti numbers. I'm sitting with Joe the Muso numbers against guys. Math. No, 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 not Joe Musso. Bad at math. There's, 
they're a supporter of the, that. The there's, a, thing, there's a lot of people on Twitter that are anti-Mac. Yes, <laughs> for like, sure. Just they don't like it. The the other thing we were talking about is we were like, how many wins does Xander have? Yeah, and we were all like, uh, I don't know because the number of trophies that he has is not equal to the number of, of wins that he has, and he has arguably the most bizarre resume on the PGA Tour. And I think winning an event like this, which we've heard players and caddies tell us, we know it's not a major, but it feels like a major championship. There is not a reprieve out here on the golf course from the fans weighing down on you. It's it's a very exhausting environment. If this is kind of the first look at what the future of the PGA Tour is going to be with these elevated or these designated events, and Xander Trofley goes out there and stamps one immediately, I do think it changes the perception for him in a big way. Well, you 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 talk to guys, you talk to people that are out here, and they're pretty adamant about about Xander as a as like a guy. Mm-hmm. And and I don't necessarily agree with that because I think of what you're saying like he doesn't have I mean what what Xander's this is going to be a stupid question cuz there's probably an obvious answer that I'm not thinking of. What's his best win? Gold medal. Uh, you know, you remember the uh, is a hot dog a sandwich thing? <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a parallel. That's is a it, is a gold medal a trophy? Uh, Completely different question posed to those players in that situation. I, I only offer that because it's the first that comes to mind. Xander Shoffley, seven wins on the PGA Tour. Nondescript, I think, would be... Do you have it pulled up right there? Scottish like, Open. R- right? Scottish was pretty good. Travelers. He's scared at it at just about every major. We're looking at uh, win professional wins. Greenbrier. Uh, Greenbrier Tour Championship. Uh, WGC, HSBC, Century Tournament of Champions, Zurich, Travelers, Genesis. So some fields there. It's not something to be, um, you know, put aside. I think, but I think, it, I guess my point is, if he wins this week, that would unquestionably be his best win for, for sure. And I think, I think what we saw today. So he goes out early. It was super windy. The, the conditions were much more difficult in the morning. And and the fact that he does not have one elite skill set or one hole in his game, I think, really helped him on Thursday because he was able to get around. He was able to make. The, the most of his opportunities. If you have one, only one skill set, and that goes awry, like Colin Morikawa playing in the wind mm-hmm. kind of deal, right? Like you're you're kind of in trouble. Yeah, but he's able to grind it out. He's able to put himself, especially in conditions like this, able to separate himself from the rest of the. Field. So we're talking about we're talking about is a gold medal a trophy? Do you want to tell the the Rory Trophy story from Winston? Oh. oh, that's a fantastic one. Uh, we were lucky <laughs> enough to be walking with Rory during his practice round. He's a big fan of these two guys. I will tell you that as well. But uh, uh, Rick and Kyle, we were having the conversation of what are some of the best trophies in the game, right. and, and we're, we're trying, trying to think get, of we're scepters. To get and, yeah, we're getting a little yeah. cheeky. Right. And I believe it was Rick asked Rory, or did you ask Rory? I, th- I think Kyle I, asked Rory yeah. what his favorite trophy in the game was, and with he, just a professional level of comedic timing. But he he, he paused a beat. And he did. Like, got that. Sp- he goes, oh. "I'd say the Claret Jug's pretty good. <laughs> I, I thought it was the Chameleon in Mayakoba, yeah, but yeah. that's that's me." We were like, "Oh yeah, there's he, a couple, he's right. There's a couple trophies on the." European tour that are that are like uh, weapons, mm-hmm. like yeah. swords. Yeah, I thought we were going to get that, and then we got. No. Yeah. we a, got. We kind of got dunked on. We got, we, it was. It was a. It was a moment uh, not to be forgotten here. Not one that will define the week. Roy did not have the best day, but we're talking about some of those at the top of the leaderboard. Speaking of the numbers, uh, Xander Shoffley also listed at five ten. So sometimes you do have to question the numbers. Guys, right? Numbers. <laughs> yeah, don't, that's not numbers. True. Numbers do not tell the full story. Uh, let's talk about a guy who might be the hottest golfer in the world right now. Is it fair to say that about Max Homa coming off wins? Uh, on the West Coast, and here he takes it into the desert. West Coast waiting for him after this week as well. K 
JP, we were saying, what would a win here this week do to the perception that Max Homa is putting forward right now? His current juncture in his career, I don't know that there is a hotter golfer in the world and a guy who, in this wind, possesses what you need to win here. Yeah, I think... I don't think he's the hottest golfer in the world. I think you have to say Rom okay. and Rory are at the top. But I think you could make a real case that Homa's the third best player in the world right now. So you see three birdies there through 12 holes. And he has a birdie putt coming. He's got a 12-footer for birdie coming so up he's on got a, he's got a 12-footer for birdie on 13, which would put him... Uh, I mean, would you be surprised if he's the leader through one complete round? Uh, I would not be... I would be surprised if he shot a 65. I wouldn't be surprised if he was co-leader. Okay. 66, tie those guys up at, at five under. Um, I think there's a real case to be made that he's the third best player on the planet right now, yeah. which is kind of crazy given where he was two years ago, five years ago especially. But I'll say this. If he wins Phoenix and he goes Tory Phoenix to start the year, I don't think... I don't think there's any question that he would be the third best player in the world right right now. That's not what the OWGR would say. It's yeah. not what Data Golf would say. That's what I'm saying. It's got to catch up with what we are seeing and what Max Home is putting forward is so impressive right now, Rick. I know a lot of it is the confidence in his game. Statistically, what yes. number backs up this improvement that we've seen over the last 18 or so months? Right. So the one thing, and we had him on the first cup podcast, oh, at this point, I don't know, maybe it was a year ago, he talked a lot about how he needed to clean up his short game. And you saw it in the numbers. He was hemorrhaging strokes around the green and gradually over time as Max Homa does he started to plug that leak he started to turn those red numbers into just a zero then he turned them into green numbers and you're starting to see what he's saying come out of his mouth show up on the stat sheet and then maybe he's not the, the hottest player in the world maybe he's not the best player in the world but I think he's the most impressive player in the world when you win at the places he's won and if you tack on one this week there's a lot of golf to be played he hasn't even played a full round it, it would be unbelievable the, the resume of wins that he could have after this week. I think I want to add to that real quick. I think the thing that he does that's maybe the most underrated skill, Joe, mm -hmm. is uh, his driver. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody who said, listen, like, and we can talk more about this with Rom. Uh, TPC Scottsdale is a course where you need to be uh, pretty accurate because the further you get off offline, the more you're penalized. We saw this with Rory on Thursday. And Homa is a really um, good driver because he's he's kind of underrated long, okay. but he's also very accurate. Yeah. And at a place like Phoenix, that is very advantageous uh, to, to putting up good scores and here. you saw the other side of that coin with some of the driving issues, the two-way miss that was in play for Rory McIlroy. Yep. We'll see if he can play his way back into this one. It was not all good on Thursday. We'll get to some of those that were, let's say, windblown in round one after a quick break here on the First Cut Podcast live at the WM. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Back on the First Cut podcast presented by TaylorMade's all-new Stealth 2 driver, Joe Musso, Kyle Porter, Rick Gaiman here to get to some of the maybe early fades. And it wasn't a fade pre-tournament. I hate to do it to you guys. Sorry. Consensus pre-tournament on Colin Morikawa. Then the wind blew, and you guys, before a golf ball was hit by Colin Morikawa, you said, I don't love it. Why not? Two two things. When, when we both found out that we had the same guy, we both we already knew it. We already knew it was bad. It was, it's the absolute kiss of death. We tried to pull a mark and switch yeah. last minute. Yeah, just like, <laughs> let's let's cash out. Let's buy out of this right now. We don't want anything to do with it. Then we got here, and it is howling, and we are looking at each other going, this is horrible. Not we, good. we got the guy who, uh, for as great as he is, unfortunately, KP, evidence mounting that the ball flight, for whatever reason, for Colin Morikawa, does not play well in the wind. Yeah, I, so I brought this up. I, I can't remember when I brought it up, but I'll never forget watching uh, Colin Morikawa play the PGA Championship in May of, of last year, of 2022. He's playing this par three. We had crazy weather there. I mean, it was it was windy. It was cold. There, it was all kinds of weather. And his ball was just getting kind of batted around mm-hmm. in a way that, I mean, I, th- I think universally we kind of say Colin Morikawa is the best ball striker in the world. And yet the way he hit into some of that, and now that's one shot, he might have hit it poorly, but it wasn't just one shot. It was kind of throughout the week there in Tulsa. And so this seed kind of got planted in my mind of like, can he can he play in wind? Can he play in weather? And the more time goes on, the more he shoots bad scores at a place like Phoenix where he's not flighting it. He's hitting, we watched on 16 today, he's hitting it up in the air and it's getting kind of balloon cuts, getting eaten up by the wind. Swatted around yeah. and it... I, Colin Morikawa was an amazing player. I just have, I think, some questions about what he can do in, you know, 15, 20-mile-an-hour wins. So why is that, I guess, is the question. We know what what the problem is. He can't hit those windows he needs to hit on days like today. But being such an elite ball striker and having that connection between mind, body, and hands, why can't why can't he hit those? Well, I, I think part of it is when, when you have a go-to shot like he has. Like you, I think you could make the argument, Joe, that Colin Morikawa's kind of three-yard fade is the best shot in golf. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever try to hit anything else? <laughs> it's the shot you want to hit. It's right. the shot that the great champions have hit. And so, right. And so, you, you almost—I I, don't—like for sure. If we if we had Colin Morikawa in the back of the range here, and we said, "Hey, hit some draws, hit some kind of you know squeeze cuts, hit it low, hit it high," I'm sure he could do it. It's just a matter of taking it into competition, and I just don't know that. I mean, why go away from it? He's he's won two majors. Yeah, and the the other problem is that. By far, the approach play, the second shot, th- that's his weapon. That- that's the thing that separates him from the rest of the field. And when that weapon gets neutralized, he starts looking around at the other weapons that he has in the bag. And, yeah, he can he can drive it accurately. And the short game, we saw, him- we saw him hit some stout shots around the green today. And the putter's kind of a big question mark. But when you neutralize the greatest strength in your bag, it, it-, it trickles into everything else that's going on into the other facets. And it, it kind of leaves him wanting more most often. And how many days do you even get like this? Right? Yeah. So it's, it's like, why spend all this time for a day that you're going to get one out of every three events? Yeah. It's a two over 73. It felt worse than that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe like the wind, we are we are getting lost in, in, in the jet stream as well here, fellas, because it could die down and he could throw a crazy number here over the next couple of days. In his wave, it was only a third of a stroke worse than tour average. And let's not forget, worse than field average. last year's champion, Scotty Scheffler, made the cut by, I believe, a stroke, threw a crazy number out there on Saturday yeah. before hoisting the crystal. Let's get back to some good here, guys, because there was a whole lot of it. John Rahm not done with his full 18 just yet, but 
posts a number going into the house, finishes his hole with an eagle, posts a three on the par five and moves to three under on the day. We talked about it a little bit earlier, KP, about the ceiling is whatever he wants it to be, but the floor is just so high right now for John Rahm. Yeah, you and I were watching his round together, and you were commenting, and I agree with he does a great job of grinding out these kind of nine-hole stretches where he doesn't really have it, mm-hmm. and you look up and he's shot 35. And you're like, well, how, how, did, he, how? how did he shoot 34, 35 there? Uh, and, and I think one thing, I, I'd love to contrast Rory to Rom, or excuse me, Rom, I guess, to Rory. And I think I was just talking to somebody about this who was very insightful about Rom's ability to drive the ball uh, very straight. That is so advantageous on a place like TPC Scottsdale. And I think we saw the difference between Rory and Rom. Rory did not drive it straight today. And and, and I think generally, Rom is a little bit uh, more accurate off the tee than Rory. Yeah. And you see, it, I mean, we were just talking about it, Rick. TPC Scottsdale is a place where it doesn't see, it seems pretty open. There's, there's a little water. But the problem is if you get offline at all. You've got cacti, you've got the desert, you've got a fence that Rory's up against. You, you've got some problems. And I think Rom was just so much more accurate than Rory off the tee today. And you see it in their scores. Two over. Those, those are the two best guys in the world right now. Rory's two over, Rom's three under. And I think it comes down to driving. John Rom is Thanos. He is inevitable, <laughs> right? I mean, it, we, it is so funny. We were tracking. John Rom had a very quiet day going. The sun, the sun is going down over here. The darkness is coming in. We're waiting for them to blow the horn. We know it's coming. We check the scores, and, and after they blow the horn, John Rom continues, and of course, he, he posts an eagle. He jumps from one under to three under, and we're like, of of course. The, the day is over in a round of golf, and John Rom is lurking near the top of the leaderboard. We should have known this was coming. It just didn't even feel like that all day until he goes out and makes an eagle on the 13th. Rom might be Thanos. I'm sure you've seen the end of the movie. The Avengers <laughs> yeah. are out this week, Rick, so it might not be Rom this week. But a top 10 almost feels inevitable when this guy's out there golfing the ball the way that he is. You guys were making fun of me for picking him to finish in the top 10. That's a great pick. I think it was minus money. We're going to get to some value propositions here in a moment. But first, a simple question. Rick Gaiman, is Keegan Bradley good again? Is that that a thing now? (laughs) So Keegan Bradley was always a great ball striker, right? He was always a top you know, 25 total driver of the ball. He could always hit his second close, and he was basically just trying to out-hit his putter. Well, guess what? He, he's learned how to putt, and we've seen it a handful of times in his in his last five starts that not only is he is he great from tee to green, but he's figuring out a way to roll the rock. He played well at Torrey Pines. He's had a couple of close calls already this year, and of course, the win at the Zozo Championship. Keegan Bradley's feeling himself. Yeah. He's fit. He's looking good. There's a lot of momentum in his game. He's, he's greenside on 13. He's going to get to come back early on Friday morning, get a chance to post another circle on the cart, enter that stretch of the golf course, which opens up for you if you can hit some great shots and roll a couple of putts in. So, yeah, there, there's a there's a pretty decent chance that Keegan could be the guy who gets the four, five, six under par by the time this uh, first round is complete. KP, a thought on Keegan? Well, I, I mean, you look at his last six starts, he's got, uh, what is it, three top fives, including a win. And I think that... You know, we, we, I think when you start talking about the most underrated guys in the world, I mean, it feels like it's 2012 because we got Keegan and Jason Day as as two of the yeah. two of the hottest players in the world, yeah. and two and two guys that I think, I mean, they're still names, but nobody really. We weren't going into the tournament talking about Keegan Bradley and Jason Day, and yet if you look at the numbers and look at how they played, you know, through 75 percent of of round one. Mm-hmm. 
there's a case to be made for both of those guys. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, fellas, we like to say, or it's like it is said often, that it's darker than the cameras make it look. It's colder than the cameras make it look. And with that in mind, let's get all the hardworking folks here at CBS to some warmth. But we cannot do that without a little winner here after an almost complete 18 holes. Taking a look at the live numbers, Rick, anything pique your interest right now? Yeah, we, we talked a lot about Max Homie sitting there at about 8.5 to 1. Right now, the, the guys who are still on the golf course who are on those gettable holes, 13, 15, um, you know, 17, and obviously just the wedge over at, at 16, despite all the, the drama. So uh, you look at Homa, you think he can probably get one or two more before his first round is complete, and we're kind of talking about him as potentially the third best player in the world sitting there at 9-1. to one. Not to run in circles here, but Homa, a 9-1 to one value opportunity, 6-1 to one at Xander. Is that the proper representation of where these guys stand right now? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, Z- uh, Rom... I just saw, I think, is it three? Yes. Yeah. He's your, he's your favorite. Yeah, so Rom's a favorite at three. I, I think Xander at six is fair. I, I, like, I actually like Xander at six because I think if he doesn't win, I think he's going to be in it until late on Sunday. The value guy that I like, Joe, is uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Okay. So he's one under, shot 70 on uh, Thursday. The thing that he didn't do well, he, he lost strokes off the tee, which is – I think a little bit on this is. A, I think this is a good driving course for him because he's gotten longer, which is always helpful. But he's also very accurate off the team, and that was where he lost, or that was that was the weakest part of his game on on Thursday. He's fifty to one to win the tournament right now, mm. and he's only four back of the lead. Yeah, I love Matt Fitzpatrick at fifty to one. That's don't one no doubt to take a look at. We appreciate y'all for stopping by here on the first cut podcast live from the WM. For Rick, for Kyle, I am Joe. We are just getting started. It is only Thursday. Got a fun week ahead here. Again, hit that subscribe button, Golf on CBS. Join us on CBS Sports HQ. Download, subscribe, and enjoy the First Cut Podcast. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen